0: I don't know, Brandon. I thought we had a quorum there for a minute, but at the moment, it looks like we can't take a vote on this.
1: Well, it was you and me and some others, and then everyone left about 10 seconds ago, so... I assure you, I have bathed this week, so I don't know why everyone bailed on us all
0: of a sudden. Yeah, figure it out. Welcome to the Midday Program, ladies and gentlemen. I guess we had to make a headphone run for, uh, for Joe here so we can hear what's going on. And I Always like to be, good to, to be able myself. to hear myself. <laughs> <laughs> Always good to be able to hear what's going on as we do our Midday Roundtable
2: to find out what information is It's a broadcaster going thing.
0: It is a broadcaster thing. And I'm a one ear kind of guy. This
2: time of year, a broadcaster without headphones is kind of like a farmer without a tractor. That yeah, would not be good. Need, need the tools to get the job done. Yeah.
1: But we need headphones pretty much every day of the year, as do farmers with tractors. So
2: that's mm, a pretty much. Yeah, that's a pretty expansive list you got there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, who parts your tractor somewhere else, then, Mister?
2: <laughs> I don't know. I found it in the <laughs> FM studio. So, <laughs> all right. Kind of hard to put in there. Well, let's hit it, gentlemen. Ag News today, coming up at twelve thirteen Central Platte NRD, they received an aquifer management grant from the Nebraska Environmental Trust. We'll talk about that. Also, the Nebraska Brand Committee, they are fighting for their funds from the Nebraska legislature as the whole budget talks continue at the unicameral I'll visit with uh, Dennis Fouyan he's president of the Nebraska Soybean Association we'll talk property taxes and the debate this week on what's taking place looks like LB 640 may be dead but we've got another hope in LB 461 and the coalition of ag groups say lots more needs to be done on 461 so we'll talk about that at 1219 Jesse has our newsmaker today Dr. Stephen Wagulo UNL Extension plat pathologist and they have found their first confirmed case of stripe rust in the state. We'll tell you where that is coming up at 1245. And Susan Littlefield has a report on a new trend, not putting all your nitrogen on at the beginning of the year, kind of space out those applications, maybe using a split application. That'll be her topic at 117. Very good. And in for Jason Jorgensen, Brandon Bennett. Good
1: old bullpen Bennett's once again. For those that weren't able to get Husker Volleyball Spring practice, or spring game tickets that is coming up this Saturday at the new Carney High School. Carney High recently has announced that the practice, not the game, not the game, but the practice before that is on Friday evening from 6 to 7.30 is going to be an open gym and open to the public. Really? So if you did not get your tickets that sold out very very quickly for the spring game on saturday you can come and watch their practice the evening before and again that is six to seven thirty p.m. on friday at the new carney high school autographs with team members immediately
0: following that's good that's quite a facility too if you I haven't seen it yet
1: i have seen it many times Sam. Well, yes i affectionately call it the palace yeah.
0: yeah yeah very nice okay bob brogan has just sat down with some business news
3: i have some business news for you and i'll Give it a pregnant pause here but okay that's about enough <laughs> may we hear it please <laughs> okay s- stocks are mixed right now which means we don't know which way they're going kind of at least mm-hmm. at least that's my interpretation the mid-east biggest airline reduces flights to the u.s opec chief says oil producers are seeking market stability those are some of the headlines that we're watching also uh, some other things are going on out there A federal judge has temporarily halted construction of a suburban Chicago highway because it might adversely affect the first bumblebee species listed as endangered. Now, before we take that too lightly, that's pretty serious stuff. Bumblebee is very important.
0: Very important. All right. All this and more coming up for you today on Midday. I don't know, Paul Perkins. It's looking like a tale of two planets on the state of Nebraska temperature map.
4: Yeah, definitely a big swing in the temperatures from north to south. North central Nebraska, O'Neill right now at 45. It's a nice balmy 70 in McCook and 73 at Hebron right now, right <laughs> along the Nebraska Kansas
0: border. Ag Brothers brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your ranky dealer. Find them in Holdridge, Lansington, Alda, and Ravenna.
4: We do have those temperatures about 45 to 50 across northern Nebraska right now, basically from the Nebraska sand hills to around Broken Bow, Ord, and Columbus, and then points to the north. That's where it's about 45 to 50. But temperatures in the 50s, 60s, to, to around 70 as you head towards southern portions of Nebraska. And we also have some very mild temperatures over Kansas, 76 right now, and Hill City. Some low pressure over the east lifting into Iowa today. Thunderstorms will be possible with this low. On the front and back side of the system, it looks like the greater chances though will be over eastern Nebraska and Central and East Kansas. Now the higher risk for severe weather will be along in southeast of a line from West Point to York and Concordia. They moved down a little bit farther to the west, so the higher risk for severe weather today along in southeast of a line, from West Point to York and Concordia. And Lincoln and Omaha, I believe, right now, let me look me looking at that, actually at Lincoln and Omaha in an enhanced risk for severe weather. Now behind this low, that cooler air overtaking west and north Nebraska, but much warmer as you head to along I-80 and points to the south. A minor disturbance from the west tonight could trigger some sprinkles across the west and central. Tomorrow will be cooler and dry, high pressure taking over from the northwest to maintain those drier and cooler conditions. Rain starts to return for some chances late tomorrow night into Friday night as the low-pressure system tracks across Oklahoma. Those rain chances with this system, though, start to drop off quickly to the northeast of a Hebron to Grand Island and Loop City line. The better chances of rain the farther south and west you go with this system for tomorrow night on into Friday night. And Once again, those rain chances are a lot lower to the northeast of a Hebron to Grand Island and Loop City line. Skies start to clear out Saturday with some northeast winds holding temperatures to slightly cooler than normal. Sunday and Monday will be warmer and dry before a cool front early next week. And with that front, most of the energy with is going to stay well to the north, so just a few showers are possible in northern Nebraska with the passage of that front early next week. There is a flip-flop in the later periods of the long-term forecast. The Nebraska and Kansas temperature forecast starts out warmer than normal early next week. The change in the forecast is late next week, through the 2nd of May, and that's when cooler than normal temperatures are now forecast. In late April, daytime highs in central Nebraska usually average in the mid-60s with overnight lows right around 40. There remains hope for areas that have not seen much of the rain lately. Above normal precipitation expected in Nebraska and Kansas Monday through May 2nd. Another mild morning helped with soil temperatures today at the 4-inch depth at 7 this morning. Soil temperatures in the low to mid-50s to the north of I-80, Right along I-80 and south into Kansas, soil temperatures in the upper 50s to the low 60s. And a lot of farmers taking note of that and getting some planning done. In the markets today, weather factors include frequent rain and cool weather in the Midwest. In a status quo beneficial scenario in South America, multiple disturbances will maintain unsettled rainy conditions across large parts of the U.S. with the most significant rain from the northern plains into the Great Lakes with this system. Late in the week, though, another storm moving from the southern plains to the Mid-Atlantic will provide the focus for heavy rain. Five-day rainfall totals could reach around 2 to 5 inches from Kansas and Oklahoma to the Mid-Atlantic. Through next week, that moderate to locally heavy rain in the Midwest will produce adequate to surplus soil moisture, but that uneven pace of corn planting, more rain on top of already wet soils in the northern plains means very few chances for meaningful field work in the near future for them. In Brazil, scattered rain will benefit the second crop corn in Parana and Mato Grosso do Sul. Central Argentina will be drier this next week to improve their conditions for maturing crops and harvest. And in Ukraine, colder weather is moving from west to east. The rain in eastern Ukraine, that turned to snow and halted fieldwork, then increased with a very warm and dry pattern. It will help out, though, with the winter grains and early planted spring grains
0: all right from around the edges here if you're traveling or or in the southern kansas area there's some wind advisories highway 54 50 as well as interstate 70 they're saying uh, they're going to put a wind advisory in effect until 7 p.m this evening for that and also if you're along a line that uh, extends from pender to david city you could see that line of some stronger storms develop and paul they're even talking about supercells over in the western iowa
4: yeah we do have that of course that enhanced risk Lincoln and Omaha, on into western Iowa, where they were just in a slight risk earlier today, and that slight risk is a little bit farther to the west now.
0: Ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Phone number at 308-995-4000. And when you need weather anytime,
4: com.
2: Here's a check of ag information. I'm Joe Ganguish on the Rural Radio Network. The mayor of Nebraska's capital city has complained to Kansas officials about smoke from its prescribed burning in the Flint Hills that sometimes can cloud the air in parts of Nebraska. The Lincoln-Lancaster County Health Department issued health warnings about the smoke three times earlier this month. Officials have said the smoke originates mostly in the Flint Hills, where farmers and ranchers burn grassland yearly to stave off invasive species, preserve pasture, also improve forage, and limit fuel for wildfires. Lincoln Mayor Chris Beitler suggested in a letter this week, That the Flint Hill Smoke Management Plan should be revised to spread out the burning and the smoke and particulate levels that result. Kansas officials have said rainy weather compressed the period of burning that occurred this year. Over the past few years, rust has been the main topic of concern to the Nebraska wheat crop. Jesse Harding has more on what we can expect this year.
5: Reports out of Oklahoma and Kansas have shown rust making its way north, and Dr. Stephen Wagulo, UNL Extension Plant Pathologist, says it has also reached Nebraska.
6: Just yesterday, we confirmed uh stripe rust in the Panhandle of Nebraska. So, samples were brought in to the Panhandle Research and Extension Center in Scottsbluff yesterday and they were positive for stripe rust so this is the first report of stripe rust in nebraska this growing season so growers need to be on the alert that it's here but they should not panic because most fields look healthy with no disease
5: Dr. Rugulo says producers should scout fields regularly and don't rush to spray unless you see several different areas in the field affected. He says the longer you wait till the flag leaf emerges to spray, the better you will be. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding.
2: Several agencies are facing cuts as Nebraska looks to balance its budget this year. One agency in particular may face losing monies gained from producer fees. Chabela Guzman has more on that. Well, the Nebraska Legislative Appropriations
7: Committee has returned 400,000 of the 500,000 it took from the Nebraska Brand Committee in an effort to assist balancing the state budget. There is still a fight for the remaining 100,000. Bill Bunce, Executive Director of the NBC, says many of the services along with staffing and technology updates would suffer from the loss of the funds.
8: Actually, we're in the process of of trying to interview and hire more um, because that's exactly where we found ourselves was in a place where we where we felt like we couldn't be as responsive in a timely manner to those that were seeking uh, livestock inspections cattle inspections, brand inspections we've been racking up too much comp time for employees to correct that we were trying to get more brand inspectors in the field but if that option is minimized then there's a likelihood that you know john smith you know calling his brand inspector and saying hey can you be here in the morning I, i need to ship out he, he may start to hear, I can't be there tomorrow, it's going to be the next day. You know, that slows down commerce, and that is not what we want to do.
7: The Nebraska Legislative Appropriations Committee met yesterday, but there was no decision made on whether they will return the 100000 back to the Nebraska Brand Committee. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman.
2: The Central Platte Natural Resources District announced this week that it will receive $364,900 from the Nebraska Environmental Trust for the advanced hydrogeolic frameworks for aquifer management in critical sections of the Platte River project. Dwayne Woodward, his engineering hydrologist with CPNRD, said that the water management in the Platte and Republican basins continues to be a difficult task for water managers and users alike. More ag information at ruralradio.com. Big week for property tax debate in the Nebraska Legislature. I'm Joe Gangwish here on the Rural Radio Network. Yesterday, LB640 stalled in the Nebraska Legislature. That bill would lower Nebraska's school property tax levy cap and limit the percentage of district funding that could come from property taxes. But still, a coalition of ag groups, not really for LB640. We're going to visit with Dennis Fuyan, He's president of the Nebraska Soybean Association, also part of that coalition of ag groups that want to make some changes and get real quality property tax relief for Nebraska this year and Dennis let's talk about LB 640 you liked what it had to say but it needed some changes Uh, what did you need to see changed
9: well the thing is with LB 640 that makes it really good is the fact that it caps the amount of support that you can use to fund schools so that that comes from property taxes itself uh, what they're driving at is trying to make other sources of funding available for school support. Going back to the idea that the uh, Teosa formula was formed to have a three-legged tool, three, three legs of support for local government, that would be property taxes, sales taxes, income tax. And right now we fund considerably more out of property taxes than we do out of the other two legs. Uh, I believe the income tax carries its share of the rate, but the sales tax does not.
2: Going to using funds out of the property tax credit fund—you know—we've we've been talking about this for some time. That that really isn't a good way to alleviate property taxes, is it?
9: No, it really isn't. It doesn't permanently change the formula. It, it's it's something that everybody looks at. They see that property tax credit fund out there, and they try to mine money out of that in order to support some other type of legislation or some other uh, shortfall. Sometimes uh, some people are even talking about using property tax credit fund to support the uh, shortfall in the revenue from the state itself.
2: It sounds like LB640 probably not going to see any more debate this legislative session. LB461 is next, coming up Friday, and that's being touted by the governor, but you feel it still falls short. What does your group feel needs to be changed about that one?
9: LB461 would promote uh, providing tax savings for both income and property taxpayers, but the uh, projected $445 million uh, tax relief $400 million of that would be in the form of income tax and only $45 million uh, of relief for property taxpayers. So that's basically a 10 to 1 ratio of uh, income tax reductions to property tax reductions, and that's not even close to what we had been talking about. We hadn't even been talking really about income tax relief. We've been talking about the inequity that we've had to face for the last 10 years or more in uh, property tax-paying support for schools.
2: Well, as we talked before, it, it's going to be a busy week and a lot of debate coming up for this, and you guys aren't giving up on this. You're going to keep uh, pressing the point that neither of these two bills really go far enough.
9: You know, the fact is, we all, in the especially in the rural communities, support our schools, and we want to make sure we keep the schools properly funded, but it just shouldn't have to come from property taxes alone. Or, or the greatest burden
2: should come from property tax. Dennis Fouillon, president of the Nebraska Soybean Association, visiting with us about property taxes and the coalition that he is involved in. Here on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Joe Gangwish. You're
0: listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Time to check sports, and in here is Brandon Bennett.
1: Good afternoon, Dirk. Well, it's turning into a tough week for the University of Nebraska at Lincoln baseball team. After winning 15 of 19, the Huskers have now dropped three of their last four, losing last night to Creighton 5-3 to three at TD Ameritrade Park. First baseman Ben Miller says the Huskers lacked energy last night.
3: Definitely flushing it is important, but I uh, don't want to forget about it, that's for sure. you got to learn from it and uh, bring it every day because um, there's not much time left for, for uh, hiccups like this. And-
1: Creighton, on the other hand, has won seven in a row. The season series between the intrastate rivals is tied 1-1 with a rubber match set for May 10th in Omaha. Nebraska plays at Big Ten Conference leading Minnesota this weekend. And things are looking up for the UNK baseball team as they beat traditional rival Fort Hayes State 9-2 to last night in Kansas. With the win, the Lopers take the season series from the Tigers. That's their second season series of the past three. The finale of that series will come next Wednesday, the 26th at historic Memorial Field in Kearney. The Nebraska softball team welcomes Kansas to town tonight. The Huskers are coming off a three-game sweep of Penn State over the weekend. First pitch is set for 6 p.m. at Boland Stadium. And Creighton will host the first and second round of the NCAA Men's Division I Basketball Tournament in 2020. That will mark the fifth time that the CenturyLink Center will be used for the NCAA Tournament. The 2018 regional games will be hosted there as well. The Kearney High School has announced an opportunity for fans to come and watch the Husker Volleyball team practice this Friday evening prior to the Husker Volleyball Spring Game in Kearney on Saturday. The practice on Friday evening is set for 6 to 7.30 p.m. at the new Carney High School, and team members will be available for autographs immediately following the practice. For more information, contact Carney High School head volleyball coach Jessica at Jess Day at JessDay, that's J-E-S-D-A-Y, at carneycats.com. And today is a mixed day for the Super Bowl champion New England Patriots. The news they received this morning was that former Patriot tight end Aaron Hernandez was found dead in his prison cell in an apparent suicide. That is the counterpoint to today's scheduled visit to the White House to accept congratulations from President Donald Trump for another NFL title. A Patriot team spokesperson says that the Patriots are, of course, aware of the reports of Hernandez's death, but the club isn't expected to comment. Patriot team owner Bob Kraft is a longtime Trump friend. However, some Patriots players intend to skip the White House visit because they oppose Trump's presidency. That's a look at sports. Stay tuned. More of Midday is just ahead. You're listening to The Rule Radio Network.
10: Some late afternoon thunderstorms are expected today, especially in eastern Nebraska, and some of those storms could be severe, producing damaging winds, large hail, and frequent lightning. Stay tuned to KRVN for the latest information. I'm Dave Schroeder with news. Four Nebraska stores known for selling millions of cans of beer each year near a South Dakota Indian reservation have lost their liquor licenses. The Nebraska Liquor Control Commission's ruling today could force an end to beer sales. In White Clay, a town with just nine residents on the border of the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. State regulators reviewed the store's licenses amid complaints that the town lacks adequate law enforcement to address frequent violence, drunken driving, and other crimes. The stores have operated in White Clay for decades and are expected to appeal the ruling. A bill that would prevent Nebraska from splitting its electoral votes in presidential elections is headed to the full legislature for debate. The Republican-backed winner-take-all proposal advanced out of Legislative Committee yesterday. Supporters say the state should speak with one voice in presidential elections. Democrats, however, in the officially nonpartisan legislature, say the bill would reduce the incentive for Omaha-area voters to participate in elections because Conservatives hold a strong majority in the state. Senator John Moranti of Gretna says he's hopeful lawmakers will debate the bill this year. The bill hasn't received a priority designation, but could be amended into another measure. Kansas will use $291 million in internal government borrowing to avoid a deficit in its current budget and pay bills on time through June. Republican Governor Sam Brownback signed the budget bill into law yesterday. It allows Kansas to avoid short-term cuts in aid to public schools, social services, and other programs. Kansas would still face projected budget shortfalls totaling $989 million for the two years starting in July. Six Kansas high school journalists who published a story that led to the resignation of their school's new principal will be special guests at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. The Pittsburgh, Kansas high school students and their teacher, Emily Smith, are receiving an all-expense paid trip to the April 29th dinner in Washington, D.C., courtesy of the Huffington Post. The group made national news after a story published last month in the student newspaper questioned the credentials of Amy Robertson, who had been hired to become principal at the school. The questions eventually led Robertson to resign. Current Pittsburgh superintendent, Destry Brown, said that he's excited the students will get a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience. The students will be in Washington from April 28th through April 30th. Whether you missed the game or need to replay that on-air interview, catch up with a podcast at krvn.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder.
0: David, thank you. The news presented by Heritage Homes of Nebraska, the preferred rural builder. Find out more at heritagehomesofne.com.
5: Nebraska's winter wheat crop in USDA's Crop Progress Report on Monday showed an increase in the good to excellent ratings. We're going to get an update now from someone who spent all of last week out in the fields for the Roll Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. On the phone with me is Dr. Stephen Wigulo. He's a UNL Extension plant pathologist. Stephen, why don't we talk a little bit about the freeze event we had at the beginning of last week. Was it any concern for the wheat crop?
6: No, uh, I looked at uh, wheat fields all the way from uh, the southern panhandle uh, in western Nebraska uh, back to the eastern side of the state, and that freeze actually did not do any noticeable damage. So that's good news for uh, our growers. So the wheat looks good, and the freeze really did not affect it.
5: For the overall status of this year's crop, how does it look?
6: The wheat is coming along uh, very well. It's in the jointing stage, um, at least uh, one to two nodes, uh, mostly a few fields are a little ahead of that, but it looks very good, and all the fields I looked at had no disease or very little disease, actually, so just very low levels of fungal leaf spots in the lower canopy uh, of the fields I looked at, but most of the fields were very green and the wheat looked really good with um, uh, high yield potential, uh, at least so far.
5: When it does come to diseases, we had issues with wheat streak mosaic lash or in Nebraska and Kansas. What have you seen thus far?
6: Actually, we have had reports of wheat streak even as far south as Oklahoma. And here in Nebraska during my survey last week, uh, I saw a number of fields in an area in the southern Panhandle that had severe wheat streak mosaic. Now, this disease is transmitted by wheat curl mites, and usually it's a problem if volunteer wheat is not controlled. And the volunteer wheat that is of highest risk is the wheat that emerges after a pre-harvest hailstorm. So this area in the southern panhandle had hail pass through uh, just before harvest. It shattered grain. The grain germinated into volunteer wheat, and that volunteer was not controlled. So the mites moved on to it and then stayed until wheat was planted in the fall, and then they moved on to the uh, newly emerged wheat and transmitted wheat streak mosaic. So that area, the fields that are there have a high level of wheat streak mosaic and they, once a virus disease occurs it cannot be controlled. However, there are certain things we can do to reduce the the risk for wheat streak mosaic and other virus diseases. So for wheat streak mosaics specifically you need to control volunteer wheat before planting the fall. Uh, the volunteer should be completely dead at least two to three weeks before planting in the fall. There are also a number of varieties that have good resistance to uh, wheat streak mosaic. There are not many, but if they are available, if you plant those, then you reduce the risk of wheat streak mosaic virus. But it's out there in the panhandle, and we'll expect to see more fields than what I saw because of the hailstorm that passed through in several areas in the southern panhandle of Nebraska.
5: But the biggest conversation over the past few years has been on rust, stripe rust, leaf rust, and stem rust. What could we possibly expect this year in Nebraska?
6: Just yesterday, we confirmed uh, stripe rust in the uh, panhandle of Nebraska. So samples were brought in to the uh, Panhandle Research and Extension Center Uh, in Scottsbluff yesterday and they were positive for stripe rust. So this is the first report of stripe rust in Nebraska this growing season and uh, so growers need to be on the alert that it's here uh, but they should not panic because most fields look, uh, you know, they look healthy with no disease. So what growers should do right now is to intensify their scouting efforts, uh, scout regularly, and don't rush to spray uh, unless you see stripe rust in several different areas or spots in the field and it's starting to develop, that's when you need to um, to think about applying a fungicide. But based on what I saw la- uh, last week, um, at this time, uh, there is really no need to spray um, uh, for stripe rust. The longer you wait uh, for the flag leaf to emerge, uh, the better you are, uh, the better off you are. And uh, that means that if if you can just apply one spray at flag leaf, then that will be better than applying a spray now and then again at flag leaf. But if stripe rust um, turns out to be developing quickly in your field or you, you see it widespread, then consider applying a pre-flag leaf spray to slow it down or, or, or stop it. Otherwise, wait for the flag leaf to emerge.
5: We've been talking with Dr. Stephen Wugulo He is a UNL Extension plant pathologist discussing the current condition of the Nebraska wheat crop. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding.
11: Today was a day of streaks again. As far as live cattle, I think that's seven in a row that they close higher, and that's about nine in a row for lean hogs to close lower. With us, Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. You couldn't come up with a better, bigger contrast in these two.
8: Oh no! Absolutely not. I mean, you, you have triple-digit gains out of the uh, live cattle, well, in the April contract, uh, uh, and then triple-digit losses out of the hogs. So, yeah, you you couldn't come up with a, <clears throat> any uh, any better contrast between the two. Uh, as far as the cattle are concerned today, uh, heard some 130 uh, trade down in Texas, and uh, obviously uh, we meandered around early in the uh, in the session, uh, back and forth. Uh, uh, on both sides of unchanged and uh, once heard about uh, cattle uh, uh, being a little bit firmer uh, uh, trading at one thirty uh, that uh, prompted a pretty good uh, rally uh, like i said uh, triple digit gain out of the uh, nearby April contract the rest moderately higher uh, over in the feeders uh just moderately uh, uh well we finished unchanged to a little bit higher they're not uh, showing but they have a premium to the index whereas the uh, live cattle have a discount to uh, the cash trade so uh, that being a big difference uh, in where the strength lies and then obviously over in the hogs no strength at all big premium still pretty good premium uh, uh, with the uh, hogs and the hog contracts compared to the index and cash not showing any signs of uh, turning anytime soon so lower
11: there it's joe joe teal great plains commodities dewey nelson on the rural radio network
7: many farmers are looking to improve their nitrogen efficiency and their nutrient stewardship are turning to splitting their nitrogen applications good afternoon i'm susan littlefield on the rural radio network dr darren Lickfeld is a senior technical development manager with verdesian life sciences
3: Yeah, out there in in Iowa as well, a lot of uh, folks are still doing the more traditional, 100% of it prior to planting. Um, And the soils are generally good enough that you can, that'll work in in a lot of cases. But um, more and more you're hearing about the four R's of of nutrient management, um, which are the right uh, rate. Of fertilizer, the right timing, the fertilizer, the right source, or type of fertilizer, and then the right placement. Where do you put it? Do you put it on the surface? Do you put it below ground? And so when you get into the the big, one of the biggest of those is timing. Um, you obviously, you don't want your crop to be deficient at any point because I've heard other agronomists say if corn has a bad day you're losing yield and you're trying to minimize the number of bad days. So um, you never want it to be deficient. So we're trying to get folks more and more to realize, though, the corn season is very long. And doing, um, say, an anhydrous ammonia application the prior fall or early spring and expecting that to hang on all the way through September, October, is, is asking that nitrogen to do a lot from a crop standpoint. And, and frankly, the regulators are starting to push on us as to whether that's the best practice as well. Um, because if you lost some of that due to leaching, for instance, um, there's an environmental aspect. Not only did the producer lose money because they didn't make crop, uh, get it into the crop, but there's now an environmental aspect that it ended up in the water table or in, in a river or something like that. And, So from a timing standpoint, that's a long-winded response, I know. But from a a timing standpoint, you know, in those really good soils, eastern Nebraska, western Iowa, uh, we would recommend only doing, say, two-thirds to three-quarters of the full nitrogen component prior to planting and then doing a quarter to a third of it as a side dress application. And so in corn, that's usually as late as you can go. Uh, right before the canopy closes, be eight or so in corn. And generally after that, they really can't get in and, and do any more than that. But that way you've got another dose of nitrogen going well into the later part of the growing season.
7: Which, like you said, will definitely see some benefits, and I'm sure yield-wise as well. Those producers mm-hmm. that do that will, will see the payback.
3: Yeah, I think in, in the more productive soils where you are, I mean, let me back up. In areas of the country where they don't have nearly as nice of a soil, there's folks now that are doing only like a third to a half of their total nitrogen up front and then spreading the rest out uh, in one or two more applications, say two two to three apps total, because their soils just can't hold the nitrogen as well, they're not very deep, they don't have much organic matter, Uh, they're just less than ideal. And, and, and so they've really kind of gone to the other extreme where the more productive soils of the I states and and nebraska um you know some data suggests you got to be careful for instance if you went that low with the pre-plant only a third to a half up front your your corn might not get the full start it needs and then you've handicapped it going into the later part of the year
7: learning more about splitting your nitrogen application i'm susan littlefield on the Rural radio network
1: 880-K-R-V-N 106.9 Carney.
11: Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. We're joined by John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. And what was your assessment of the grains trade today?
12: Well, early I thought we maybe had something going here with a little correction, but, uh, all fall apart. Feels a lot worse than an unchanged day on corn, but, uh, I think going into this May delivery, we're seeing a massive amount of physical grain, essentially moved into the market, producers thrown in the towel, a well, like we did in March. You know, if we, we kind of bottomed out at the end of March there is uh, at the end of February rather, when, when everybody kind of, I kind of cashed out and just decided it was too much to, to hold it here going into the, the summer months, so. Uh, maybe the rains have something to do with that too, with the time folks maybe have here to move a little more grain in the short term. But any rallies in the short run probably get get uh, stifled by by the feed grain markets. Longer term, feels like we're basing. Um, uh, not saying making big lows here is uh, is a good thing, but we are kind of bouncing off these these tests of 360. So longer term, I think it's you know a weather market that uh, will drive prices over the next couple of months. Shorter term, it's about short term supply, and that's that's uh, dwarfing the demand right now.
11: Yes. We still have that tug of war, how many soybean acres versus corn acres, don't we?
12: Yeah, and that that I think is, is one thing that the corn markets aren't thinking about right now. So you look at unpriced factors. You know, we're talking about ninety million acres of corn and doing the math off that. If you if you would price in eighty eight and a half or ninety and a half ninety uh, I'm sorry, eighty nine and a half, you know, you start Bringing that carryout down by 150 200 million bushels, which uh, in, the, in the end it will affect that stocks use number. So, from a from a bullish standpoint, there isn't a lot here over the short run. The weather, obviously, what one thing that we'll watch, but um, you know, just nothing really. I think to get these funds uh, in the mood to buy. Uh, we had a real down day in the outside markets. Crude oil much lower. The stock market uh, was down earlier. It's come back a little bit now, but. Um, just all in all, very uh, kind of negative tone, um, even in the hog markets down down a buck sixty, so kind of selling the mode of the day. I think grains were uh, tough to avoid it, given their fundamental outlook right now
11: well, the one that mostly was affected seemed to be the wheat market
12: absolutely, and wheat uh, you know making new lows, I think we 're down here near near the lows for the year december contract i 'm sorry July contract rather. Uh, just above this 426 level. I, I, I'd imagine we're probably going to stick our head down here and maybe test the low 420s, but I wouldn't be bailing down here. This is where you want to be getting long, in my opinion. I think um, the European situation is a little dire right now. Global stocks are huge, so the market doesn't care so much, but uh, it's dry over in Western Europe, and, and their stock use is really low right now. I think somewhere around like the 10 to 12 percent level, which is about a fifth of what we have on, on hand. So maybe we'll get some business here. That would, that would be awesome to see in the export numbers tomorrow.
11: John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels, Ag Marketing, Chicago. Dewey Nelson on the World Radio Network.
0: Spring has sprung.
1: Take it easy and take it safe this spring. And plan on spending every planting day with us. 880-KRVN.